I hope you guys are doing well. I have an extra mic I get to play with, so I'm going to beatbox on this mic while I talk into the other mic, right? Is that okay? It's like, y'all want to see me beatbox, right? Right. I grew up in public school. It's okay. I got something to offer. Um, I'm glad you guys are here this morning. We are in the midst of a... Uh, of a season we've been calling the journey and um, the last couple of weeks we've been kind of camped out in Second Corinthians chapter five and kind of these middle passages beginning in verse 14 where we see a number of different things kind of happening in, in about four verses here. And the, the first thing we see is is that there is this new love that compels Christians like there's this work of Jesus Christ in our lives that he has given us his spirit and this, this spirit that comes and lives within us and resides within us now propels us to a new life. And this new life compels us with the love of Christ to live differently than we did before we received him. And so kind of the first thing we see in that passage that we've been covering the last couple of weeks is there's this new love that compels the Christian. We also see that, you know, verse 15, that we should no longer live for ourselves, but instead live for the one who died for us, Jesus Christ. And so our lives are not our own. Our, our, our own focus is not, is not the focus that we're, we're to continue living by. That was the old self, and there's a new self that Christ has, has paid a price and given a gift for us to be able to receive. And that we should no longer view people from a worldly pr- point of view or from a worldly perspective, but, but see them and view them in a spiritual perspective that, this, that the relationships that you have are kingdom opportunities. And then lastly, that God is reconciling the world to himself and you and I are his ambassadors. There's a responsibility that we get to receive by joining Jesus in his great work in our lives. One of the things that we've been kind of doing is I've been selling books in the lobby. Um, Bob Goss book, Everybody Always, basically the take on this book, and we've encouraged you guys to grab a copy. Our special deal was $15. You can get them on eBay for 11 or 12 um, And our special deal was we're asking you to, to pay it forward so that we could give some copies away. Today's the day. So if you have somebody that you'd love to give this book to, raise your hand if you bought a copy of this book. Okay, a number of you. If you, if, if you would like to give a copy of the book away, then everybody here that raised their hand helped pay for you to be able to give that book away. So raise your hand if you, if you're like, yes, I know somebody I want to give this book to because it's a fantastic book. It's really encouraging. And I think, uh, in over a thousand reviews, it, it's still got five stars. It's just a fantastic book that just speaks about how good God's love is and one crazy guy who just dares to live radically. So raise your hand if you want to be one of those people that all these folks that raise their hand wants to give a Robin over here. Who else wants to give one away? There's three right here, four, five. Okay, so that's five people. Now I need five more volunteers. So raise your hand if you want to be a volunteer. I need I'm not going to sit here until I get five of you. One, two, three, four, five. All right, so I've got five more. Keep your hand up. You just volunteered to give the book away to somebody, even though you didn't raise your hand, right? Fantastic. That, that's, the, that's the nature of the book, is that we're, we're learning to love extravagantly. We're learning to love in the same manner that Jesus loved and, and allow that, that gift of who he is and in the, in the spirit of God get unwrapped in our lives, where we get to come fully alive and experience the goodness of who he is by loving our neighbor and loving our friend. This week, we find ourselves in Palm Sunday. And for those of you that don't know what Palm Sunday is, it's the Sunday that comes before Easter. 
It's the Sunday that Jesus is about to enter into Jerusalem and um, and then in entering into this Holy Week. And on Friday is Good Friday. We're having a service here on Sunday, but that wasn't what Jesus was entering Jerusalem from for. That's what we're going to be talking about on Friday. On Friday was the crucifixion. And then this is the week that we get to say that Sunday's coming. Sunday's the reason that we're that we're here. Because if Sunday didn't take place, then we're all fools for being here. The resurrection is the reality of this life that we're called to. And it is this amazing reality that should be present in our lives this week among among any other. So if you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me, we're going to look at Luke's telling of this of this story, the triumphal entry, Jesus into Jerusalem. So you can turn with me to Luke chapter 19 and I'm going to read this passage for you. We're looking at Luke chapter 19. I'm going to read verses 28 through 42. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there with which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Tell him the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found the colt, just as he had told them. And as they were untying it, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? And they replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt and and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. And when he came near to the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles that they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Jesus said, I tell you, he replied. If they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you. Even you had only known on this day what would bring you peace. But now it is kept hidden from your eyes. This is an amazing story, and and I'm going to do my do my best to try to present to you just some of the reality of what was taking place in this moment. I mean, if you just kind of look over and scan the the three things we're kind of just going to touch on, you know, there's a donkey, there's rocks and there's tears. And if you uh, if you just thought about those three things and I told you that's what today's message is about, then you could kind of think, OK, well, this was a, a childhood adventure, you know, gone bad, you know, a, a, a donkey, a rock and some rocks and, and tears. And, and, and that's not what's taking place. What's taking place is this amazing fulfillment, right? This amazing fulfillment of 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 scripture of the Messiah coming and returning to Jerusalem to be king, like the waited upon moment that that Israel have been has been waiting on for centuries has arrived. And so when Jesus is coming onto the scene, he, he, he sends his disciples out to go get a colt, this this young, this young little colt of a donkey that has never been ridden. And just as he sent the disciples ahead, he he like had the ability to to exercise this gift. And they went and they said, well, the, the Lord needs it. So they just go out in obedience. And exactly what he said would take place is taking place. Like there's just already like a tension and like some excitement that is building within the disciples to the point that these these people that catch up with the disciples, the greater 
band of disciples just began gathering around in this, this roadway going into Jerusalem and just praising and singing out songs to the king, Jesus, who is entering in Jerusalem, this waited upon moment. But here are these Pharisees in the moment that, that are, are upset. So we're going we're gonna to pause and just kind of look at the first couple parts of this. Jesus rides on the back of a colt into Jerusalem. Now, in Jesus' day, most kings came into to conquer a city on a horse, came in to conquer a city with an army, came in to conquer a city with violence and war. And there was this breakout and hopefully breakthrough of this of the of the enemy's walls in order for the new kingdom to be ushered in. And none of what may have been expected for the ushering of a new kingdom was what was taking place that day on a hillside in Jerusalem. Jesus sits on the back of a colt in humility and as a statement of humility. And I believe that Jesus is making a statement that my kingdom is ushered in in humility. I do not come bearing arms. In this passage, we see instead he comes bearing tears. Kingdom of God in your life and my life is ushered in in humility. As our hearts embrace, as our hearts align with that spirit within us, that same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, that same spirit that Jesus wept tears over Jerusalem for, that same spirit forms our heart to feel what he feels and to know what he knows. But the reality is his spirit came to bring peace. His spirit came to bring his presence, his ushering in of his kingdom, came to usher in something that Israel had been waiting for for centuries, but they expected it in a different way. Have you ever had an expectation that just didn't, the, the thing was fulfilled, but it, what, it wasn't fulfilled in the way you expected it to happen? The people are excited. The Pharisees are furious and Jesus has a tear in his eye. There's a significant statement in this cult that Jesus is riding in on and his people are beginning to to worship him. The second thing I want you to recognize is the fulfillment of this of this special moment. You see, there's this incredible tension in this moment. And if we miss that, then I think we miss the great context of what is taking place here. The tension you could cut with a knife. Now, I'm would consider myself a fairly manly man. You know, I like to uh, to hunt. I like to fish. I cut down trees and chop wood for fun. You know, I uh, but I, I have to confess that I have a, a weak moment. And uh, how many people have ever seen the movie The Rookie? It's a story about Jim Morris, Major League Baseball player, 35 years old. He uh, gets called up to the to the major leagues. And um, that is very uncommon for you non-baseball fans like you most most. I think the younger players in the in the major leagues are late teens, early 20s. Right. And here's a guy who's 35 years old who was coaching high school baseball in in Texas. And if you've seen the movie. Right. Um, this guy is, is makes a makes a deal with his team. He said, if you qualify for state, then I'll go out for the big leagues like he's 35 years old. He knows that he's not going to make it. Right. And so there's there's two outs left in the ninth inning and they need two runs to one run to tie, two two runs to win, and there's one guy on base, and the guy gets a hit. And long, long, long story short, this team that could never win before came through in the clutch because they knew if they could win this game, their coach would fulfill would take a step toward trying to fulfill his dream that everybody knows is impossible. They win the game, everybody's celebrating. 
the conversation in the locker room after the game is not about that we won the game. The conversation is now it's your turn, coach, to pursue your dream. So a couple of weeks later, he goes out and there are pitchers trying out for, you know, throwing balls. And, and Jim gets up to the up to what do you call it? The, the, the pitcher's mound didn't get a chance to loosen up. First ball he throws right over the plate. Three more. He looks over at the scout in the stands and the scouts like shaking the, the, the gun because like it's broken. He's like, Jim had no idea how hard he was throwing. He comes to the scout afterwards. He said, Jim, the first ball you threw was 94 miles an hour. Before you loosened up, the rest of them that you threw were 98 miles an hour. You'll be getting a phone call tomorrow from the big leagues. Right. He had no idea. He'd never been on a gun since he hurt his shoulder as a younger guy and just was coaching, coaching baseball. Right. And 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 here's my not so manly moment. Like as I watch these kinds of movies, I got to admit, like this is a candid moment for me. Like I'm just like bawling like. And, and I hate to tell that story of Jim Morrison in comparison with Jesus, but I want you to, to grasp just contextually the moment that here's the, this fulfillment moment. Here's the opportunity. And Jesus is standing on the mound. Jesus is standing on the mound overlooking at Jerusalem. And the very moment that has been awaiting him for so long, the very moment that all of Israel has been waited with, you know, holding their breath for the Messiah entering to Jerusalem has 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 happened. Like there is incredible tension in this moment. And Jesus is looking over the city and the people are celebrating and rejoicing because from their perspective, like the king has come and we're going to kick out the old, the, the Romans. We're going to kick out other people and we're going to have our king come and reign over us. And Jesus stands in the moment and, and has a tear in the moment. In this moment of celebration, he's at this place of having a broken heart. They're celebrating and they're crying out because of the tension that they feel in the moment. And the, the Pharisees are furious and saying, some of them say, tell your disciples to be quiet. And Jesus says, I can't do that. The rocks will cry out. There's tension in the moment. There's so much tension in the moment that Jesus said, if they don't sing the praise to my father and the praise of the Messiah coming in Jerusalem, the rocks, the very thing created that should never cry out, has to cry out on this moment. Because this is one of the greatest moments in all of history. There's tension in this moment. But Jesus' kingdom is a kingdom of peace. So part of the tension in this moment is while everybody is crying out and worshiping and, and saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord and peace in heaven and glory to the highest. As these chants just go on and on and on, you look at different gospels, there are more chants than this that are that are happening, praising God, praising the king. And yet there's this tension that's taking place because Jesus is sitting on a hillside and he's weeping over Jerusalem. Verse 41, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if only, if only you had known what would bring you peace. My challenge for you and I this morning is to grasp the tension in this moment and to grasp that invitation into our lives. That we not be like the, the city of Jerusalem. As Jesus said, you know, but now it will be hidden from your eyes. In that day, in that moment, in that week, they would not see the reality because the tensions continue. Jesus goes in next and turns over the tables in the in the in the temple court 
right, of the money changers. And, and next thing you know, he's being betrayed. And the next thing you know, he's being whipped and flogged and a, a crown of thorns being put on his head and he's being put on a cross, right? The, the contrast just swings so quickly. And this is the intense moment. But you and I need to recognize and understand that God's kingdom is a kingdom of peace. And this tension of being celebrated and the tension of a broken heart looking over Jerusalem and saying, if only, is a huge moment. If only you and I could understand what his kingdom of peace breaking into our lives could usher in into this world. That's the, that's the wrestling moment for you and I this morning as we look at this reality. If only. You see, Jesus wept. When is the last time you made somebody cry? I mean, I'm probably made somebody cry recently. You know, I was, for heaven's sakes, I, I, I was giving a golf lesson to this little young girl. I co- helped coach a high school golf team, and she's like in ninth grade, and, and she's just learning how to swing a golf club. And I'm walking her through different things, and I'm like, okay, you're doing great, doing great. You know, I'm trying to be as encouraging as I can because I've got boys. I don't have any girls, right? And, and I'm just, okay, you're doing good, you're doing good, you're doing good. And she did it like four times in a row. Okay, this is great, great. And then she didn't quite get it right the fifth time. I was like, no, 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 no. Okay, here we go. And I looked when I went, no, 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 no. I looked and she's got it. I'm like, oh. I was like, Terry, can you come over here? So I want you to go get some water for a minute, right? And I'm just like, I couldn't be more crazy. Yeah, I just said, a teenage girl. I don't know what's going on, but something was going on, right? When's the last time you made somebody cry? You know, maybe it was a, maybe it was a loved one. Maybe it was a family member, right? It's probably a family member, right? That you, you did something to make somebody cry. But let me ask you this. When's the last time you wept over someone? Because there's a difference. When's the last time that you wept over, that your heart was broken because of the potential that you saw for someone, and your heart was broken over the potential that they were walking away from, and your heart just wept? That's Jesus' heart in this moment. That is his kingdom that's about to break through. It's about to shatter this glass ceiling that's just hovered over Jerusalem for centuries. It's about to break through. And if we see that there's a breakthrough in Jerusalem, then friends, as receivers of his spirit, then there should be breakthroughs taking place in our lives. Because if Jesus, sitting on that hillside, paying this ultimate price for you and for me to be able to experience his kingdom, again, we've established that his kingdom is a kingdom of peace, then we are finding ourselves, when we are finding ourselves in relationships that are just filled with hostility, then there has to be this breakthrough moment that he wants to bring. When we find ourselves with a teenage son or daughter who is, who is not living up to the potential that they have, then there should be this love that wells up within us that has broken the moment. And we're weeping over, desiring for a peace to come, desiring for the choice to change, desiring for things to be, to be fixed that are all awry. Because the kingdom of God is present, the kingdom of God is real, and the kingdom of God is about love. And with his love comes peace. With his love, there is no considering the cost to self because the yearning ache within us for the benefit of the other person just trumps the moment and cries out for the king to come have his way, 
Come on your donkey. Come and, and, and enter into this moment. Come and break through because only the, only the power of God can break through in those moments when a person whom you love is not fulfilling this opportunity, is not reaching the potential that they have, and, and your heart is just broken over this moment on behalf of, and tears stream down your face. This is not a, a tear streaming down your face because the moment has been fulfilled like the rookie standing on the pitcher's mound. This is the tension in the moment of the man who is sitting on the colt and his heart is broken because it's been kept hidden from them the peace that is being available to them and if you're a Christian and I would guess that most of us in here are we should be having these types of experiences and encounters because Jesus had this type of experience and encounter over others because with that heart love can burst onto the scene With that heart, transformation. With that heart, Sunday can come. But if we miss that moment, then we're missing all of what this week is about. If we're going to be peacemakers, not peacekeepers, not people who shovel it, who who, who sweep it under the rug and say it can wait for later and build a, a big elephant in the room, right? When we become peacemakers, when we're, when we're willing to love on behalf of, when we're willing to love and see the best in, when we're willing to, to, to no longer consider people from a worldly point of view, but instead we're being compelled with this love to no longer live for ourselves, but instead the one who died for us. When we see this opportunity, are we, are we stepping into the moment or is it mostly hidden from us? I always use the illustration of the person who cuts you off in traffic because that's usually the one that tries to get me, right? Am I just viewing that person from a worldly point of view or am I taking the moment to pray for that finger that they're showing me, right, as they, as they cut me off, right? Am I, am I taking a moment to pray, what, Lord, what is going on in that person's life that there's so much tension in their life? And let me be an agent of peace. Let me be a person of peace. Let me be a person who helps usher in your kingdom. Lord, let me just be the cult that you ride in on and come and save the day. You see, that moment sitting on the hillside is this great moment of of tragedy, is this great moment of triumph and tragedy meeting. It's like the heavyweight boxer ready to come in and, and take over the take over the belt, take over the crown. You know, you never see in the beginning of a boxing match like somebody just quietly enter into the room like there's there's Rocky music going on. Right. There's the eye of the tiger taking place like there's this I'm getting pumped up moment. And the pumped up moment is the people laying down palm branches and their, their, their cloaks on the road for Jesus to enter in on. And his heart is broken because of the potential that he's seen. But now finally he can break through and shatter this glass ceiling. Not just in Jerusalem, but in your friends' lives. Because we are his ambassadors. Because we are the people that get to be used to, to, to join God in the great work that he is doing to reconcile the world to himself. You know, it is not something that we do because we're good. It's not something that we do because we're Christian. It's something we do because it's what he's doing. And he chooses to just invite us to the work that he's doing. You see, he's paid the price. He's reconciled things. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. I'll read it real quickly. As we went through this passage back in the, back in the fall, right? 
14 through 18. For he himself is our peace who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in his own flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace and in his one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death the hostility. This hostility that has existed between the father since Sin entered into the world. This hostility that has existed, this tension that has existed, Christ came to bring peace to. He gave, he, he came and preached peace to those who were near, to far away, and to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. This, this peace coming king is alive within you and within me, and he wants to do a work, And he is doing a work in this world to reconcile people to himself and to end the hostility between where they are in their sin and where they can be because of the work that he has done. And we just get invited along for the party. And I feel like a message to the American church today is we'd rather stay home and not a, not RSVP because there was too much effort to RSVP and to show up for the party. But Jesus heart was at a different place and he looked at those who were broken and his, his, his heart was broken and he wept with their potential but what he bore on that cross what he bore for the, the sin of the world what he bore ended the hostility between man and God that we could be those agents and that they and we could could come and know and, and have a right relationship with God again. And that is the opportunity for you and for me. But I think mostly, mostly we find ourselves miss, missing the moment. Mostly I think we miss the moment in the reality of that we allow the tension to exist within us. We don't see the potential in the other person. We see them as a problem. Let me say that again. We see other people as a problem rather than someone Jesus has wept for. Rather than someone that Jesus has bled for. We see them as an opposition to our little kingdom and our little moment or what we want or what would be right for us. Instead of letting those little tense-filled moments be telltale signs of a kingdom opportunity. Jesus came to bring peace. I'm going to read you a story about a guy named, by a, a fellow by the name of Horatio Spafford. On November 21st, 1870, 1873, the French ocean liner Ville de Havre um, was crossing the Atlantic from the U.S. to Europe with 300 passengers, 313 passengers on board. On board was Horatio G. Spafford's family, his wife and daughters. Among the pastors were Spafford's daughters. Mr. Spafford had planned to go with his family, but he he found it necessary to stay home in Chicago uh, to help solve unexpected business problem. He told his wife that he would join her and their family in Europe a few days later. His plan was to take another ship about four days into the crossing, the Atlantic, Ville de Havre. Uh, collided with the powerful iron-hulled Scottish ship, the Loch Urn. Suddenly, all of those on board were in grave danger. Anna hurriedly brought her four children to the deck. She knelt there with Annie, 
Margaret Lee, Bessie, and Tanetta, and prayed that God would spare them if, if it could be his will, or to make them willing to endure whatever awaited them. And within approximately 12 minutes, the Ville de Havre slided beneath the dark waters in the Atlantic, carrying 226 of its passengers, including the four Spafford children. A sailor rowing a small boat over the spot where the ship went down spotted a woman floating on a piece of wreckage. It was Anna, still alive. He pulled her into the boat, and they were picked up by another large vessel, which nine days later landed them in Cardiff, Wales. From there, she wired her husband the message which began, saved alone, what shall I do? Mr. Spafford later framed the telegraph and placed it in his office. Another of the ship's survivors, Pastor Weiss, later recalled Anna saying, God gave me four daughters. Now they have been taken from me. Someday I will understand why. Mr. Spafford booked the passage on the next available ship and left to join his grieving wife with a ship about four days out. The captain called Spafford to his cabin and told him that they were passing over the place where the children went down. And according to to Bertha, Spafford Vester, a daughter born after the tragedy, Spafford wrote, It is well with my soul while on this journey. You know the lyrics. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Christ's kingdom comes in humility. Christ's kingdom comes to bring peace. What sea do you find yourself on in a relationship? What sorrows like sea billows roll crash against the the hull of who you are? And my question for you this morning is what will your response be? Because our encouragement, our theme, is everybody always. If there's anything we're going to try to get right here at Vintage 242 Church, it's to love well. What potential is this conflict, is this, is this tension in your life, is a relationship that you're in that has, has tried to push you away? What, what tension does the Spirit of God want to burst through in and give you a hope for a future? You see, the thing I want to leave you with this morning is when faith in Christ is greater than the despair of the moment. When faith in Christ is greater than the despair of the moment, then supernatural peace has come onto the scene. You're Christ's ambassadors. Go and bear his peace. I'm going to invite Aaron and team to come up. And I'm going to leave you with an invitation to invite the Holy Spirit to make you aware of a relationship that has tension. A relationship that you're being invited to be a kingdom bearer. A relationship where you get to be a person that comes and brings peace. That peace may not come in a moment. That peace may come in in a decade. 
But can you hold on to that faith in Christ? And can that be greater than the the pain of the circumstance in the moment? Because where there is this tension, where there there is this hostility for a for a people that are that are living in the kingdom of peace. There's an invitation for that to be released. There's an invitation for forgiveness to come from a heart where there's unforgiveness. There's an invitation to recognize that we have an opportunity and a role to play, that he's paid this great price and he wants to use you and me as vessels of his love. What is that relationship? What is that opportunity? You may be able to name it in the moment. You you may need to go out into the, the world tomorrow and look for it. But trust me, there's one coming. The invitation for Jesus to say, hop on my back, hop on the colt with me, because I want to use you to be the kingdom bearer. I want to use you. I want to awaken your heart to be able to to pray and to cry a tear over the opportunity in front of you and see it as opportunity rather than as an offense. You see, that offense is birthed in pride. This humility that comes onto the scene has to birth through if we're going to be the agents and the ambassadors in the kingdom, because that is your calling. That is your duty. That is your opportunity to experience the greatest love, the love of Christ. This morning, we'll have teams of people on my right and my left that are here to pray with you. That maybe there's a confession that you just, I need to forgive this person. I know what I need to do. And then you can act upon it. Maybe there's something that you just need prayer and support and somebody to help lift your hands. That I just need help in in seeing this as a moment of faith rather than being caught up in the weight of the circumstance. Whatever your response this morning, I encourage you to sit before the Lord because those who were dearest to Jesus Christ felt the greatest weight this week, 2,000 years ago. Could you walk out the doors and just have a normal week and then show up on Easter? That would be a tragedy. I hope that there's a weight that comes with this message. I hope that there's a weight that you get from... From the the service on Friday night at 7 o'clock. I hope that there's a weight that you carry. Because Jesus bore this weight. And he says, come alongside with me in Matthew 11. Come alongside. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. But he didn't ask to go alone. He said, come. I'll pull. I've carried the weight. But I'm inviting you to come be a partner and walk with me. But we shouldn't recognize that there's not a weight involved. Ultimately, there should be a level of weight of all weeks that, 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 that rests upon us. Just so that we recognize the, the price that was paid because Sunday's coming. Jesus, we ask you to come. Lord, whatever it is you're wanting to do, whether it's to reconcile people in a relationship, whether it's to uh, send us with a divine appointment this week to, to speak in and be a, a, a peacemaker over something and not just to overlook it, say, well, I'll just let that go by. It'll settle down. But actually to be a person who comes and brings love into a scenario that comes and brings a new perspective that there's that there's something more to be attained here, that there's a greater work that you're doing in the moment and that we can join Jesus in the work that he wants to do. And peace can fall where attention once resided. But Lord, only you know what you want to do in each of our hearts individually. Help us be responsive. Help our minds and our hearts be quickened to your pace. Help us recognize the weight of this week and not just pass through nonchalantly, accepting your price so that we can have eternity. Because there's 
so much more you have waiting for us. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Let your peace fall on earth. Just as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I invite you guys to come forward. We also have offering baskets on my left and my right. If that's a way that you desire to come and worship. The thing I want you to hear is both a commission today and also an opportunity to worship. Christ has done all that he has done so that we can turn and live our lives as an act of worship. He's paid the price, not us. We just get to join him in the good works that he wants to continue doing. Not to earn his favor, but to celebrate his life because he's resurrected. What is the opportunity God has for you this morning? Is it to help carry a burden or is it to step into the, a, a place of new celebration? Let the Lord speak to you this morning. And have a great week as you carry with him this cross that he invites you to bear. Being his